This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, this afternoon, Ontario Finance Minister Rod Phillips will be delivering the province's fiscal third quarter results. With Queen's Park backing off many proposed cutbacks in the last year, what will those numbers look like? And what about the classic political question? Are you better off under this government? How do you think they're doing? They've been putting forward, as Bob mentioned, a kinder, gentler image since the summer. Rod Phillips is a key part of that. He made a promise that the Ford government will stick to its Ontario Municipal Partnership Fund at $500 million for 2021 after experiencing backlash from last-minute cuts unleashed on cities with no warning. Still, a number of very recent polls put the leaderless Liberals ahead of the governing PCs. So is it just a matter of time that they catch up? And again, what do you think? A lot of people voted for this government. They want in a landslide. Are they living up to your expectations? Uh, do you think they had a very rocky first year? Are you forgiving them for that? The numbers to call. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And first off the bat, let's go to NDP, MPP and finance critic, Sandy Shaw. Hello. Hi, Libby. How are you? Very good. So how do you think the Ford government has done on the fiscal front? Well, I think Ford, their their budget, their first budget was uh, an abysmal failure. I mean, people after 15 years of liberals uh, were, were, were so desperate for uh, change and so desperate for uh, a government that really looked at the conditions that they were in that made things better for them. And then they had a government that came in and made cuts to the things that they didn't ask for. No one asked for cuts to education. No one, you know, asked for uh, autism to be cut. No one asked for increased, you know, si- class sizes. And certainly people were looking for um, relief to hallway health care. And we've seen none of that from this government. Well, uh, they have backed off some of those cuts that they made in the first go around. And in terms of hallway health care, yes, it's it, it has been reduced a little bit. And they've come out and said that their promise to get rid of it in a year was a bit rash and it's going to take a lot longer. And I think everyone kind of agrees that, it, that this is not a problem from this government. It's something that's built, been building for a very long time. And I couldn't. I would agree with you completely. I mean, we had the Liberal government that left our health care underfunded and really just being hung together uh, on the backs of the front line, you know, health care workers. I, I just came back from a pre-budget tour across Ontario, and what I heard all across uh, Ontario is that this government has is making it worse. It, it, in fact, um, we heard from the Ontario Hospital Association 
this hospital overcrowding is getting much, much worse, and that they are, are, are underfunded, that this government is you know, providing uh, less funding than they even need to just make the bare minimum. And so while people were looking for relief, they didn't get it from this government at all. And so, you know, the fact that, we, you know, this government's saying that they're walking back on some of their cuts, but half a cut is still a cut. And what we needed was investment, not cuts in our our, our most precious services. Well, uh, again, you know, they did promise to get the debt and the deficit under control. And what people are calling cuts, it, it still represents a percentage increase, but not as much as people wanted. Right. Well, and when it comes to our health care system, uh, the, 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 the funding that this government provided doesn't even uh, keep pace with inflation, let alone the increases in the number of aging people that we have in our, our health care system, let alone the compounding crisis of long-term care that has seen no relief from this government. I mean, honestly, under their watch, they've, they've created 21 new uh, long-term care beds. So, you know, while people are concerned about the deficit, and also, I also think that we need certainly to get our financial house in order, I don't think that the way to do it is on the backs of cuts to already, already uh, slim service levels in areas like health care. So how would you get the debt and the deficit under control if, uh, I mean, those are the areas of the biggest spending in the provincial uh, government. So if, uh, how would you get it under control if if you had your way? Well, I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge in that is that in the, the province of Ontario spends less per capita in Canada, like we're bottom of the pack in Canada when it comes to healthcare spending, education spending, and we're also bottom of the pack when it comes to uh, revenue as well. And so I think that the, that when you see what this this Ford government has done, um, their their plan is to cut the deficit uh, by squeezing healthcare, by squeezing you know education. And so I think that uh, we need to understand that. Number one, we don't spend more than any other province on these vital services. And, and the second thing is that this is a government that has actually increased the deficit. Under their watch, the deficit has actually gone up. So, like, make no mistake, this government it continues to spend big, but they just start spending on things that don't, ne- don't necessarily matter uh, to the people of Ontario. I mean, we've got a government that just willy-nilly is prepared to spend you know, $250 million and counting on tearing up contracts in the province. And, you know, there's all kinds of... That, uh, that was a campaign revenue, promise. Right? Pardon me? They acknowledge that in the campaign. The, the, are you talking about the wind? The wind? Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, they, but there's certain, but there's certain things that they that they spent their money on that they didn't acknowledge in the campaign, like hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in con- other contracts that they've torn up. They're, they're meddling at Hydro One, costs us about 150 million dollars, and so they have don't seem to have any uh, qualms about spending money if they determine that it's good for the ideology or for their, you know, their their insider connections. But when it comes to Things that people expect the government to be spending money on, which is making sure that your aging parent can access home care. I mean, we have people that are, wait. I get calls in my constituency office every single day from families that can't get home care for their parents who want to stay in their house. You know, there's a PSW shortage in this province, and all of it. Again, that's to, that's another thing that yeah. that money alone is is not going to solve, and has been growing for a long time. But let me ask you this: uh, according to those latest polls, the NDP, your party, the official opposition, has lost ground, uh, and the Liberals, who don't even have a leader, and who were 
more than decimated in the last election seem to be vaulting ahead, and it's more than one poll. How would you explain that? What's your reaction to that? I I think that, I mean, I I do believe that what we part of the the, uh, concern with the the province had with the liberals, and which was reflected in them being turfed, was that they were looking for uh, a change. And now now that they've seen what a disaster that this Ford government has uh, made in this province, you know, I think that there's a notion that um, they, that there's a notion that this is that the liberals will restore uh, something. But in fact, you know, it doesn't take long when you talk to people. But why why do. aren't why isn't your party the beneficiary of of that discontent? Well, I, I think that what what we need to see is when this when the liberal government does get a new leader, I think that will make a big difference in terms of the dialogue. I think right now. Uh, people are just, uh, you know, maybe perhaps wishing for, uh, you know, an alternative that uh, that that will, you know, relieve some of the pain that they're feeling. But I think really what we're looking at is a, a population in the province that is looking for some um, response and some answers. And I think that hopefully, you know, we don't forget that it really is the Liberal government that put us in this position in the first place with their slow uh, cuts to, to our health care system. Okay. Uh, MPP Sandy Shaw, NDP finance critic. Thanks for being with us. You're very welcome, Libby. Take care. Take care. Okay, let's take a couple of calls before we get to our next guest who will parse those numbers for us. We've got Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I remember, to your uh, Sandy Shaw, um, I remember when the NDP was in government in the early 90s and it was a Disaster for the uh, industrial side of the province. There were no strikes allowed, and, and a lot of companies bailed on Ontario. I know in Guelph, of at least two companies, I can name a couple. One in Middlewood used to make TVs. A lot of companies left. So the answer isn't the NDP. The NDP came out, and they basically said during the election campaign that, no, we will never force um, people back to work if they're on strike, they're on strike, which sunk them in the election right away. Um, I think the Doug Ford government um, is doing a good job. The first year was a disaster, and part of that was because of the scandals involving Dean French. Um, I just think that this isn't going to be something that's going to be solved overnight, and I'd hate to see us going back to the way it was when the service fees, everything was going to be more expensive. And I said, it's not, it's tough love, and I think that I'm going to end the subject with that. It's tough love, and we've got to we've got to live up to it. Okay, Ron, thanks for that. Let's go to Brian and Mimico. Hi, Brian. Hi, Libby. Uh, you know, I think they're doing a good job. What I get tired of hearing is it seems to be this way everything these days. The left didn't get their own way, and they just can't stop whining about it. You get the same thing in the states with Trump. And you had this, well, public sector and teachers and that. Ever since Mike Harris, they're determined that no matter what's going on in the rest of the economy, in the private sector, no way that was going to affect them. They want to continue on their merry little way. And, of course, the liberals allowed them to do it. And now, you know, they're just continuing on. But there's just so much of this, it seems like the left, Oh, no, we can't have that. We've got to have our own way. It's just constant whining and complaining and everything else. 
Okay, Brian, uh, thank you for that. I, I get where you're coming from. Okay, I'm going to bring in our next guest. It is Craig Warden. He's the president of Polaris Strategic Insights. And he conducted that poll, which showed the leaderless liberals vaulting ahead of everyone. Hi there, Craig. Hello, it's great to be here. Great to have you with us. So how do you explain that? Well, I think uh, there's a number of things at play uh, underneath the umbrella of all the different parties. I think one, I think the last election was very personalized. I think kicking out the liberals became very much about kicking out Kathleen Wynne as premier. Um, And I think that once that was accomplished by voters, they then felt like there was a bit of a reset for the liberals and that they could start to turn back to them. And that's what we've been seeing is that um, since the election that we've been seeing 13% of Canadians have turned back to the Liberals from what they got in 2018. Um, I do think that the NDP have uh, not been as visible uh, since the election and have not necessarily taken advantage of the opportunity that that was in front of them to take advantage of this greater standing in the the polls and in the legislature uh, to try and solidify the gains they made in the last election. And I think, you know, the Conservatives... They had a rough first year. They seem to have stopped the bleeding, but they still have not uh, reconnected with voters. Their their attempts to reset through a, a tonal change rather than a policy change haven't fully uh, worked in terms of regaining the support that they've lost over the past year or so. Um, and I think governing for your base ultimately yields re- reducing dividends. Um, because what it does is it ends up galvanizing the, the vote on the left, and, and that galvanization is, is benefiting the Liberals. So that's what they're doing, in your view, uh, governing for their base? I, I would say, especially in their first year, that uh, in large part for their base and even micro-segments of that base. Um, so uh, especially, say, on the beer file, uh, that's not necessarily something we've seen in our polling as a high priority for, for Ontarians. A couple of things that uh, Sandy Shaw mentioned. So Premier Ford made the promise he's going to end hallway health care in a year and they get to power and they see and the health minister has said, you know, no way can this be fixed in a year. And I think everyone agrees that this is not a problem that you can put on the shoulders of this government, but still they promised to fix it and it's not happening very fast. And in some places, as she correctly pointed out, it's getting worse and it's, you know, flu season. So that is going to make it worse. How, how much does something like that hurt them? I do think uh, there's sort of two ways to look at one. I do think that during the campaign in 2018, uh, the Ford PCs did sort of promise to make a lot of changes without any difficulty. There's sort of a promise of gains without pain, um, which is rarely possible, and certainly not possible on uh, in the healthcare sphere. Um, but I do think that a good portion of Ontarians will give governments a bit of leeway on healthcare. They realize it's complex. They realize it's difficult. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be very demanding on, on seeing improvements there. Um, so they might have some slack. People won't necessarily expect massive improvements within a year and a half to two years. But, um, you know, come time at the end of their term, if they haven't seen improvements, they, they will uh, 
probably suffer some some losses because of that. What about this whole education mess and the rotating strikes and the ongoing labor dispute? I mean, on, I think that at the beginning, the public was on side with the government, and they rightly point out that pointed out that every government has had issues with teachers' unions, but this is going on for a long time. It is. And we've seen in our polling that uh, the, the public is not supportive of the changes the government has proposed, um, because they are seen as cuts, they are seen as bringing in larger class sizes. Um, and from all of the polling that's out there, and there's quite a bit um, that's out in the public domain, it's clearly saying that the public, to the tune of about half of Ontarians, are supportive of the teachers in this battle, um, because they see this as the changes as being detrimental to kids. Um, even just, you know, for our own edification, we threw a question on to a, a recent survey where we asked parents if they've seen any negative changes to their kids' experience in school. And we saw 75% of parents saw some sort of negative uh, impact due to the government's changes. Um, so, you know, that's quite a damning number. And in a large part, it is uh, larger class sizes, more split classes, more stat classes at high school level. Um, those are the, the top things coming in on that question. Okay, I guess we have to see where that shakes out. We're basically out of time, Craig. If there's any lesson that the government should take from this polling, what would you say it should be? You know, I think it's a government that is really low in approval ratings. Only about a quarter of Ontarians are approving of them right now. They are a government that needs to get some wins. They they haven't really had a win in their column. And uh, it can be on any number of policies that speak to the key promise they made in this election, which was to make life affordable. Um, so making uh, coming out with some wins in that column or even just you know coming out with a compromise solution that puts an end to the education file um, would be something that would uh, get them a win and help them to improve their approval ratings. Okay. On that note, Craig Warden, thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.